Lord, I pray that as we come to your word, you would bring it to life for us. Let it speak life into us and the life you intend for us. So, Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you and just acknowledge you as God in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? It's been a fantastic morning so far, and uh, uh, great to have you here for our 1045 service. If you don't know me, my name's Dean, I'm one of the pastors here, and, uh, and it's great to have you here. You know, as Ryan was saying earlier, you know, it's been an uh, exciting week, our grand opening last week, and uh, things going on now this week, new things around here. School's going back this week. Anybody excited? Who's excited for school going back? <laughs> Clearly no one. Not parents, not kids, nobody. We got a couple. There's a couple. We got some excitement. We got a little bit. There's a little bit. Are we excited over in this corner? Are we, no? Yeah, yeah, we got, some, we got some thumbs up. We got some excitement. It's, uh, it's always a fun time of year. New rhythms are starting. New things are beginning. I was thinking about this week a particular story from my school days, and I was reminded of this, this uh, one particular kind of time when I was in, it was either year four or year five, I can't quite remember, but there was this new kind of fad, this new trend had started going around. Now, this is like the late 80s, mid to late 80s, and so it kind of, you know, in today's, there was something that kind of went viral, if you will, though that didn't really happen back then, and it became like... The only thing that, that the boys in my school could think about, we were all focused on this, this new thing that come out. And what it was, was a pencil that was painted like your favorite American football teams. Now that was like a technological revolution. It was like, it's not just a pencil, it's actually decorated, you know. And it was, they had pencils of all of the American gridiron teams, all the American football teams. And they were just amazing. So it's like for a couple of weeks, it felt like months. Maybe it was only a day. I'm not sure. But it seemed like everything in life was focused on these pencils, these NFL pencils. And I'd been collecting them, and you were trying to get them all. You wanted to have them all. And I'd collected up. I had almost every team. There was one team I did not have. And it was my local team, my hometown. I'm a, forever a Cleveland sports fan. That's the area where I grew up. And I did not have the pencil for my own team, the Cleveland Browns. It was all I wanted. It was all I could think about. I just wanted that pencil. I don't know if they, you know, they, it's like if they knew you're in this area, they don't put that many in circulation. So you just keep buying packages and packages. trying. And I couldn't find it. So I kind of set out on my mission to get this one pencil. And some people, I found a couple of people who had it, but they were, like, already sharpened, like, halfway. So half the pencil was gone. You know, I think one was probably chewed up. I was like, I'm not interested in that. I want a clean, perfect Cleveland Browns unsharpened pencil. I'm going to save it the rest of my life. And when eBay gets invented, I'm going to sell it someday. That was my, my goal, I, you know. I kind of just told people. And so I finally found somebody who actually had an untouched perfect collector's edition virtually Cleveland Browns pencil. And I was so excited. So we start the negotiations, and I'm like, look, man, that's, it's like one of the only pencils he had. And I'm like, that's the only one I want. You know, what's it going to take? You know, what's it going to take to get me with that pencil today, you know? And uh, so I start negotiating. We keep going back and forth. He's driving a hard bargain. At the end of the day, I wanted this pencil so badly. It's all I wanted. I told him, look, I will give you 
every pencil I have. I almost have the entire league. I've got them all. I will give you every pencil I have for that Cleveland Browns pencil. I mean, you've got, and so finally, he accepted my offer. And we entered into a legally binding oral contract. So, uh, I didn't have my pencils with me, or maybe he didn't have that one. But at any rate, at the moment we entered into said legally binding oral contract, uh, we didn't have the pencils there, so we said, let's, we'll, we'll make the switch later, okay? We've agreed on this. Comes to later in the day, might have been gym class, something. And I, find, I, I go over to him, and there's not a lot I remember about that day, but I remember this moment. And I'm like, hey, man, I've got the pencils. Where's the Cleveland Browns pencil? And, and, I, and so I'm there. I'm ready. And he says to me, I already traded it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We had a legally binding oral contract. You know, those were, that's how I talked. Year four, it's just kind of <laughs> how I talked. And um, I did not. But I, I, was, I was shocked. I was stunned, just like you all were right then. And you could feel my pain, couldn't you? So I'm like, you know, I was like, you cannot be serious. Like, what could anyone, no one, like, who would even want this pencil? You know, there were some cool pencils from some cool teams that had cool colors. The Cleveland Browns, if you've never seen their they are brown and orange. It was a brown and orange pencil. Like, and not like a cool brown or orange like you might have in today's world. A 1980s brown and orange pencil. No one wanted. And I was like, what could you, what did you possibly accept for that pencil? I'm like, I was going to give you all of them. Nobody can offer you, like, more than what I was going to. And he said to me, and I always remember this one. He looked at me and he said, so-and-so told me that if I gave him my pencil, he would teach me to be popular. Oh! Oh! Are you kidding me? You traded your Cleveland Browns pencil to him for that? If that's all you wanted, why didn't you ask? <laughs> no. Just kidding. I think there was probably good reasons he didn't ask me. The fact that I would trade and was focused on nothing more than getting a Cleveland Browns pencil probably tells you all you need to know about that situation. But he, I, I, the thing about that moment that always stuck with me, and along with the pain and agony of not getting the Cleveland Browns pencil, soon they went out of circulation and they were never to be found again. And uh, in fact, people stopped using pencils. They invented iPads. It was really a tragic story. But just kidding, just kidding. I but I never did get one. The thing that always stuck with me about that story was how it was like, it was like I'd never thought of this. And in his moment of saying this, I, it was like it dawned on me, maybe for the first time kind of growing up, how important it is for people to feel liked. And you could call it being popular, call it having a seat at the cool kids' table, call it, you know, sitting, riding in the back of the bus, call it feeling included, belonging, all these things. In that moment, I saw this, there was a hunger in his life that, that in all my negotiations, I certainly didn't tap into or realize how important it was. And I want to talk about this simple reality today because one of the single greatest hungers of the human heart that all of us have, whatever words we want to give to it, or however we're trying to chase it, whatever we think might help us find it, is we all have this innate desire from a young age to feel like we belong somewhere. For him, it was like to be popular. Maybe then people will like, I'll feel like I'm on the inside. Every one of us has a hunger. To, uh, we want to belong. We're wired up for 
community. It's human. It's how God created it. And it is such a deep hunger that people will go to incredible lengths to try and fulfill that hunger. And he was willing to take a chance and trade his pencil on a, what I knew to be like a get-rich-quick scheme. This is never going to work. So how do we find a sense of community? How do we find a sense of belonging? That's the question I actually want to talk a bit about today. Because Jesus speaks some great words into what it actually looks like to find a sense of community, to find a sense of belonging. I think these are going to be important words. For us as a church, we're at the beginning of a new year, things starting up. We're a brand new, uh, kind of getting started right here, True North and Marowa for the first time. We're in this kind of whole new era. And I think it's so important that as a church, we actually ask ourselves these questions. What kind of community will we form here? Because whether you're brand new, never been here before, or been here for a few weeks now, or whatever the case may be, we all will contribute, every one of us will be a part of deciding what kind of community is formed in this space. And Jesus is going to tell us something about how to actually create community, how to actually find, how to become a place where people can find a sense of belonging. It's what everyone's looking for. So we're going to look at this story of Jesus, where Jesus is really going to speak in this whole idea of community and how community is created. And Jesus at this particular point was at a banquet. He was at a dinner invited by, he was kind of a special guest with a bunch of other guests. And in their day and in their era, uh, who you were around the table with spoke to, these were your associations, the people you were close to, the people that you wanted in your life. And, and Jesus had been invited to the cool kids table that day. And these were high profile people he was eating with. And he's going to begin to talk to them about what this should actually look like, how you throw a banquet, how you have a meal, how you invite people on the table. And he says these words. He says, Jesus said to his host, his high-profile host with all his high-profile guests, he said, when you give a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. Jesus says, instead, when you give a banquet, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lime, the, the lame. I've been <laughs> reading this a lot. However, if you're having a banquet, I would suggest you bring some lime. <laughs> that's like a free, that's a freebie. Um, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. If you do that, Jesus says, you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is how to, how to have a party, how to have a dinner, how to have a banquet, Jesus style. This is who, in fact, today's message, I want to call it this, who's at your table? Who's at your table? Because the people at our table are the people that we're associating with. They're the people we're inviting into our lives. They're the people that we are gathering ourselves around. And whenever you have people around a table, you have a community that is forming. And I want to, and Jesus here is going to speak to us about, you know, who's at your table? Who are you inviting? Who are you welcoming into your circles? Who is a part of your community? And Jesus is going to start off by saying, here's how community normally works. Here how, here's how it normally works for people to gather people around their lives. Here's how people normally find it. He says, when you have a lunch, Jesus says, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your family. 
and don't invite your rich neighbor. Now, why does Jesus say don't invite all these people? Because this is who we would normally invite. Jesus' first part of this story, I would suggest, is what we'll call the normal invitation. Here's how relationships and community normally works in our world. Jesus says, normally people think, I'm going to have a meal, I'm going to have a dinner, I'm going to have some people over, I'm going to form some community, I'm going to invite my friends. The people that, you know, I get along with, that we connect, that we laugh easily, that we have a good time with. I'm going to invite my friends, I want to have them over. Or your family, I'm going to invite my family over. I'm going to have them there. Maybe I don't even get along with my family, but I have to have them over at some point. So at least if I have them over, then I can discharge that obligation. That's some amens there today throughout the day. But, uh, you know, and he says, don't invite your rich neighbor. Because normally these are the people, and Jesus says, because you invite these people, they may pay you back. You may receive something from that. You may get something out of that. And he says, don't do that. He says, don't invite your rich neighbor. Because the normal way human relationships tend to work, it's like this. It's like we move into a new neighborhood, new on the street. You start looking around. You see all the houses. And you start thinking, you know what, I want to get to know some neighbors. I wanna, maybe we should have some people around. So maybe you may say to your wife, you know, hey, I've been looking around the street. And, you know, I, I noticed that house down the end is so big. It's huge. It's gated. It's probably, it's got like an indoor pool. It's got... You know, boat out the front. It's huge. You know what? I bet the guy who lives there is probably pretty lonely. We should have him over. We should have him over, you know? And we're like, yeah, that's that guy. I mean, he's probably got nobody to go out on that huge boat with him. We should be good people, and we should invite him over. Maybe we should have seafood, so maybe the topic of fishing will come up. You know, just thinking maybe that's something he's comfortable with. And, you know, no, this is... You know, now the, the bottom line is I've tried that. It doesn't work. But the point is normal invitation is sort of like who can I invite into my world because maybe there's something I will get out of this relationship. Now, we would never say it that crassly. We probably wouldn't even think it that consciously. But the reality is as humans, there's something inside us. We're just kind of wired to want, you know what, I, I, if I'm around these people, there's something that I kind of get out of that. Or if I invite these people, there's something good that will come my way. Or, and Jesus says, don't do that. If you do it, you might get repaid. He might invite you on the boat. You might get to go sit in the big home theater. It might be all these things. But Jesus says, that's not the way relationships should work. Not in the kingdom. Not when Jesus is king and we're doing things his way. Instead, Jesus says, do it like this. He says, instead, invite the lame, the crippled, the blind, the poor. Jesus says, instead of thinking who you can invite because you might get something from them, who are the people that you could invite that you know have nothing to offer you? Who are the people that are around you that if you invite them, there's no hoping that like, hey, maybe if I invite them, this kind of good thing will come to benefit me. I'll get invited to their house or to their thing or into their world or their circle. No, Jesus says, when you invite, invite the blind, the poor, the lame, the crippled, those who were of the absolute lowest social standing in his day, those who had seemingly nothing to offer all the high-profile banquets of their day. You see, what Jesus is getting at is Jesus getting at, that's it. You cannot invite your friends over. If you had friends over for dinner this week, shame on you, you know. We'll just do a giant confession. Who had a friend over, you know. 
If you had, is that it? Is it like, look, you cannot ever have your family. Your family cannot come in. Now, don't. Some people are like, yeah, okay, Jesus said I won't have them back. No, it's not that kind of thing. Not that kind of thing. And it's Jesus saying, that's it. Your rich neighbor, he is doomed to a life of loneliness because nobody can have him over. That's not, what is Jesus, when he paints these two pictures for us, these two kind of radically different pictures, he's trying to not, he's not getting at who you are allowed to invite and not invite to your house to dinner. He's getting at why do you invite certain people and not others. He's not talking about who we invite. He's talking about why we invite. And what Jesus is saying is that the inclination of the human heart is typically when it comes to relationships, when it comes to who we'll have at our table, when it comes to who we're going to be friends with, who we're going to associate with, how we'll find community, is that the inclination of the human heart tends to be what's in it for me. What will I get paid back by? What will, and, and we don't want to say that, and we don't like to, to hear that, and I'm not saying we're all a bunch of terrible people, but there is something in us that, that's kind of how we're wired up. And Jesus says, that will never bring about, that kind of thinking of what will I get out of this, will never bring about the kind of relationships and community that we are actually built for, made for, created for. That's why Jesus says, when you are going to invite people to your table, when you're going to have a banquet, do you know who to invite? Invite the people who you have nothing to gain by. Shift from a mindset of what can I get out of this and shift your mindset to who can I serve in this space. Because to have a meal for the blind, for the lame, for the crippled, for those who can do nothing is fundamentally this act of service. I'm actually looking outward. I'm putting on a meal to see who I can bless, who I can include, who I can bring around my table. This is the mindset Jesus is really getting at with this passage, is how will we approach relationships? How will we approach our, our circles that we run? How will we approach community? Will we fundamentally be orientated, what do I get out of this, or who can I serve in this? And here's the really cool thing is Jesus says, if you make that switch, and you switch from what will I get out of this and how can I be repaid, and whether, you know, if we can shift out of that and shift into who can I serve, Jesus says you're going to get something better than repayment. You get something better than being invited into the, in, onto the boat and onto the yacht. For the, you get something better than getting repaid for what you've done. Jesus said, do this and you will be blessed. And Jesus says, actually, when we begin to live this way, we're not focused on what I get, but on who I serve, that we begin to experience blessing. And blessing is better than payment. Blessing is better than repayment. A payment mentality, if I do this, what will I get? A transactional mentality is always, if I do this, I'm hoping I'll get this. And Jesus says, when you approach it, I'm not hoping for anything out of this. Something better than repayment will come your way. And he says it's called blessing. It's the unearned, unmerited, don't keep track of score, just goodness of God made manifest in your life. And that when we start to switch the way we approach relationship, there's blessing that begins to flow in our lives. It's not blessing like, well, that's great. Now you'll be, maybe, does that mean so instead of if, if I don't invite the rich neighbor and I invite the poor neighbor, will I get the boat? Is that how the blessing works? And so, may, no, this, that's not the point. The blessing is about actually the goodness of God coming into your life. And there's no scorecard for it. There's no here's what it is. You can't control it. 
most of the time, I think we'd rather just think in terms of payment and repayment because we feel like we can control. If I did this, I should get that. With blessing, you just say, God, I'm just not worried about myself anymore. And I'm trusting in whatever you want to bring my way. That's blessing. And I love this picture. And, and I think this is so important for us as a church because fundamentally as we think about what kind of church we be, churches are communities of people. When we think about what kind of community of people are we going to be, we will fundamentally have a choice between being a community of people who think, what do I get out of this or who can I serve in this? And when we become the kind of community where we aren't thinking about me and what I get and, and what, what's going to benefit my needs. And if I do this, I should get that. And we fundamentally resign ourselves to God. I just want to know who can I serve. And I'm going to trust in whatever blessing you want to bring. We just become a different kind of place. And the amazing thing is the more we let go of what can I get, the more we begin to think of who can I serve, the more blessing and goodness that flows into our life. Because that's actually what we're created for. Relationships were never meant to be, you know, kind of consumeristic. They were never meant to be, if I do this, you do that. They were never, they were always into, God has built us for relationships and to give to one another. And the crazy thing is that the more we stop trying to get community for ourselves and start trying to give community to others, the more we get to experience the blessing of community ourselves. It's this incredible picture right here in this story. And I want to, and I think it's so important for us because this is what will define us. And there are going to be, if you're brand new here, you're still thinking about, you know, what, what is the church all about? Or maybe you've been part of church in the past and you're reconnecting, all, all kinds of different things. I just want you to know what we want to be about as a community of people fundamentally is that we want to be a place that offers community and belonging to anyone who walks through the doors. But that becomes impossible if as individuals we only think about getting community for ourselves. And it only takes place when we shift from the first invitation to the second. And when as individuals in a community, we begin to think, who can I welcome? You know, as we begin this year, I want to just give you a couple simple ways that you can lean into this, that we're going to lean into this as a church. Uh, and, and this, you know, if you're, if you're brand new here or, you know, today might be your first day or, or, or you know, you, you just think, you know what, I'm just, I'd love to find a place along. One of the, the paradoxes of experiencing community is this, is that it, the more we seek it for ourselves, the harder it, it is to find. And the more we give it away, the easier it is to find. And so two of the ways we're kind of leaning into this as a church, I want to just encourage you, if you're, if you're looking to belong, here are two great ways that you can actually step into that in, in a new way, in a new year, in a new season. And the first is just to let you know, uh, is, is something that we call joining a group. Uh, one of the things that we want to be as a community is a community of people who gather around tables. On Sundays, we gather in rows. The whole This is our big, giant kind of banquet setting. The whole church community comes together, and we celebrate some God and sing and do different things. But we want to be a people who also gather around tables because relationships happen and take place around tables. And I want to encourage you, if you've never joined a group, these are just groups of people who meet around tables in homes throughout the week and, you know, share food together and just kind of get to know one another and, and share the journey of faith together. And this year as we start the year, we're, we're starting with something called 
uh, the six-week journey. So we're inviting everybody who's in a group or anybody who's ever wanted to be part of a group. Uh, starting February 22nd uh, here in at Malu, we're inviting all our groups to meet around tables in, in the, uh, on the campus uh, to lean into the same material called How's Your Soul? And so we're going to start this year on Sundays and in our groups, uh, lean into this whole idea of How's Your Soul? It's a series kind of coming from a guy named Judah Smith, great uh, pastor uh, up in Seattle. And it's all about kind of how are you going on the inside? What's the interior of your life look like? And, and done in just some great ways. And, and I, I promise you really will enjoy uh, what's going to be coming through that. But one of the ways you can get to experience community is to join a group, to get around the table with others, and to come at it from an idea not of, not of, you know, what can I hope to get from this table, but to approach it with a sense of, you know, who can I welcome in this space? Who can I give a sense of community, belonging, encouragement? Who can I be looking out for? And the more you do that, I promise, the more you'll actually find yourself saying, wow, I'm beginning to experience that sense of belonging. The other way I want to just encourage you, you know, th that's one way that you can really lean into this here at True North. A second way is what we call joining a team. Uh, if you're new here and think, you know what, I want to be connected to this community. I want to get involved. I want to find that sense of belonging. Again, that paradox is the easiest way is to begin giving that out to others. So we call this joining a team. And we often talk about here that, you know, church isn't an event we go to once a week. It's a team we're a part of. It's a community we belong to. It's a mission we're on together. And the more we begin to kind of join that, it's amazing you begin to experience it for yourself. And so I want to encourage you, if you've, uh, maybe this is a year, to join a team. To say, hey, I want to get involved and I want to serve somewhere. Because what this does is it changes your mindset. From what will I get out of this to who can I serve? And I promise, as paradoxical as it sounds, the less you think about what will I get out of this, and the more you think about who can I serve, the more you will get out of everything. That's where blessing begins to flow from. And so you'll see on your chairs, you can even have a look. You can take that with you today. You can have a think on it. There's a, a, a little brochure that just talks about joining a team. And there are spaces, all just different things, simple jobs and tasks and things you can do, not on your own, but as part of a team. And what I find over and over is like the more uh, this just one of the best ways to actually feel like you belong is actually to help others belong. You know, I've known people who've come to our church and they on their first day just think, you know what, I want to join a welcome team. And there they are welcoming people like within a week or within two weeks. And it's like they don't even, they don't even know anyone. They're brand new. But in every case, I find they come back just saying, I just I feel like I belong. The more they give, the more they give out that welcome, the more they experience it themselves. And so it's just, these, these are simple things that you can do if you think, you know what, I, that's, that's a hunger I've got. That's something I want. I want to feel that. You may not, you know, you don't have to even believe everything we believe. But one of the things you can do is, what I can tell you this, is if you take just what Jesus has said right here, whether you believe in Jesus and who he is, what I promise you is this. If you take seriously what he says here and apply this to relationships in your life across the board, you will experience a radical change in your life. You may be in a workplace and you feel like, you know what, I always feel like I'm on the outside and why do I get excluded and how do I, if you make your mindset in that space, who can I serve? I promise you, your experience of belonging will change. It will shift. It may be in a school. It may be in a sports club. This is just Jesus telling us, this is how relationships are meant to work. Jesus is saying, this is, 
Jesus is like, I created you, and I'm telling you, this is when you try to get from a relationship, you'll lose every time. But when you shift your mindset to who can I serve in this relationship, you begin to experience blessing. Blessing begins to flow into your life. And it may not pay off the way you thought it might or wished it could, but there will be blessing that you begin to experience. I love this passage because it takes everything about what we normally think about relationships, community, belonging, and it flips it on its head. We'd all love it if we could just trade a pencil to somebody who would just tell us the secret to always feeling like you belonged and never feeling on the outside. But Jesus actually does this for us. And he says that where it's at, it's not just think about a relationship, what will I get out of this? But what will I give in this? Who can I serve? You want to feel included? Begin to say, who can I include? You want to feel invited? Begin to say, who can I invite? You're not going to get anything from them. But as you begin to look through that lens, you begin to experience what the Bible kind of calls the life of the kingdom. This is the life of the kingdom. It's the way God intended things to work. And it's the way relationships work when Jesus is king. And there is a blessing and a goodness that begins to flow into our lives. That's unlike what you'll find anywhere else. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to sing a song together in just a moment. And we're going to sing that song that we sang earlier. No longer slaves. It talks about being a child of God. And one of the reasons that I can tell you, this is just what's true about life. And if we begin to approach relationships this way, it'll change the way our lives, our relationships, all these things begin to work. One of the reasons I know it's true is because this is how God has dealt with us as people. And if you don't know it, I, I hope you understand this, that Jesus... Before we even think about who we invite to our table, the great news of the Bible is that Jesus has invited us to his table. That the great God of the universe who created all this and made you and made me has actually invited us to come sit at his table to be in connection and relationship with him. And he sent Jesus into this world to extend that invitation to show the way, to conquer sin, to conquer death, to make a way for us to know God. Not, and, and God didn't do this because we were so great. God didn't do this because he thought there was something he could get from us. This was God's free gift, his invitation to me and to you and to each one of us. God just, because it's his nature, God just saying, welcome to my table. I want you to, I want to know you. I want to love you. It's just God is perfect. He's before all things. He's after all things. He doesn't need anything. He's not hoping to get anything from you. But it's his nature to say, welcome to my table. It's his nature to say, I want to know you. And he extends that invitation to us. And I love this song because it just talks about that reality that we could actually know that we are children of God. We've been brought into his family. We actually have an identity in this world. And no matter how excluded we might feel at times in this world, we are always included at his table. And so I want, us, I want you to stand. Why don't we stand up? And we're going to sing this song. And I want to encourage you, if you're someone who's 
responded to that invitation at some point in your life, I want to encourage you to sing this song knowing and celebrating that, wow, this is where I find my security. This is where I belong. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. And no matter how challenging the world could ever feel, I can take heart and comfort and joy in knowing that I am a child of God. Maybe you're someone who's here and you're still kind of trying to figure God out or what this is all about. I want to encourage you just to listen to the words of this song. Because this is, this is how God sees you. And what he wants you to know is that you can actually know a life as part of his family. Where you're connected to him. Where you're, you're living in relationship and friendship as a child of God. Let's sing this together.